all live in a box per se, but what box makes you happy? Black is not a monolith, just like Jewish is not a monolith. And so we all have our own struggles. We all have our own perspectives on life. So live in what's true to you. And really, for me, my faith is such a big part of my life. Living outside of the box is living inside the box of my faith, not living in the box that the world wants you to live in, but living in the box of your faith, what you value and what makes you happy is so important. giving one person actually make a difference in unifying the entire world? What are some tools I can use to live a life of more freedom? These are just some of the concepts you'll hear about in every episode of See One Beautiful Soul. Welcome back to See One Beautiful Soul. This is Barbara Heller, and I'm so happy to have my guest today, Fumi Ford, influencer, branding specialist, wife, mother, published editorial stylist, international fashion blogger. You have to see her put on a new outfit on Instagram. She's just blinging all over the place. She has so much confidence and she's just so fun to watch. She makes funny posts. She makes interesting posts. She makes super inspirational posts. And I am so excited to sit down with her today and discuss big ideas like we always do here on C1 Beautiful Soul. Please check me out over at Clubhouse. If you have an iPhone, go on to Clubhouse and find our club, C1 Beautiful Soul. Just search under the clubs, C1 Beautiful Soul. Follow us. Get involved in the conversations. You'll meet other listeners. We have really big conversations about sex trafficking, about is there a God? What should we be doing in a crisis of faith? Should we even have faith? What's a value? What's a human value? What's an American value? What's a world value? What's happening on the world stage? And what should we be careful about, concerned with, excited about? How can we show up in the world as a beautiful soul and have more tolerance, more acceptance, less hate, less crime, taking great actions. There's incredible resources being shared. Just like on this show, we tell funny stories, traumatic stories until we laugh and cry and figure out what to do about them. The crazy, the irrational, the silly things that people say and do in life. This is what we're talking about on Clubhouse, just like on here, except it's a live conversation. So please find me on there. You can also follow me at at Barbara Heller. That's all lowercase letters, B-A-R-B-A-R-A-H-E-L-L-E-R. I'd love to hear from you on there. There is no way to message me there. So the best way to message me if you want to get in touch is on my Instagram at Barbie Heller, B-A-R-B-I-E-H-E-L-L-E-R. You can still pick up my book on Amazon. And then one day the world coughed. Can get it on Kindle, but I highly recommend you get it in hard copy delivered right to your door. Take it out of the packaging, sit down with somebody in your family and just share it and see what kind of conversations come out of it. I've been getting really beautiful mail about it and I'm excited that people are reading it and also discussing it. It's really supposed to be a conversation piece and please don't judge me for my artwork in there. Okay, thanks. Also, if you'd like to book a coaching for voiceover training, let me know if I'm available. I'm happy to work with you one-on-one. And also some people are coming to me because they're interested in getting into the world of content creation and just either children's book writing or putting out videos or doing documentaries on their own or trying to develop their inner voice, their inner creative writing voice. I'm here for that. If I'm available, you can always email me at info at barbheller.com. That's B-A-R-B-H-E-L-L-E-R.com. 
and I will write you back and see if I'm available to coach with you. Hi, Fanny. It's so Hello. good to see your beautiful soul on Zoom. I feel like you're sitting in my living room. I met you through Clubhouse, actually, and I just fell in love with your voice and not just what you were saying, but how you were saying it. You have such a gift to connect to women. I think women from all over the world, and I'm just so fascinated by you. Love it if you could just tell us a little bit about how you started your online presence and why you do what you do. Oh, okay. Well, I was born in Lagos, Nigeria. I moved here at eight years old. I didn't really fit in. Like I was so different from the other kids. We went to like a strict holiness church, so we could only wear skirts and long blouses. And we were already spoke funny because we didn't speak English. We were learning English. We took weird food to school because they were used to peanut butter sandwiches. We came to school with a goosey and pounded yam. So they taught, they picked on us constantly. And I realized that when I would wear certain clothes, when I would try to fit in, the kids would speak to me. They'd be like, oh, cute skirt, cute top, this and that. And so I started dressing to assimilate and to try to fit in with the crowd. Now it's so funny because my blog is all about standing out and how individuality really makes you who you are. It makes you stand out out of everybody else in the cloud because in a crowd full of sameness, the girl with the red shirt is going to stand out. Um, I got into it because I wanted to teach women that it's okay to be different. Clothes are a big part of our lives and how we look and how we dress correlates to how we feel, but we can have our own individuality when it comes to how we look. And beauty begins on the inside and we dress beauty up on the outside. Teach women that and then lately to teach women, especially African-American women, how to get into the content creation game Beautiful. And your content is all over the place, which I love because mine is too <laughs> funny. You're spiritual. You're very real. You're very outspoken. I'm Jewish. And it's a little known fact, I think, to people outside. We were enslaved too in Egypt and mm -hmm. then also the Holocaust. I would consider that enslavement. It literally said work for freedom over the camps. And so I consider that enslavement. And I feel like anytime someone uh, gives into something that someone else is telling them to be consent, it is slavery. So right. I feel so connected to black culture. And I always have since I was little and a, a video on the Black Lives Matter movement that's actually winning awards right now. I It's blowing my mind. It's a That's insane. Can you speak to what it means to like live outside of the box and just yeah. feel. I think because of my culture and because of where I'm from, I've always lived a little bit outside of the box. I didn't grow up in Black America per se, coming from Africa, growing up in a very Nigerian home. My view on life was very, very different. I think when it comes to living outside of the box, it's not living by what culture and society tells you that you have to be. Black is not a monolith, just like Jewish is not a monolith. And so we all have our own struggles. We all have our own perspectives on life. So living what's true to you. And really, for me, my faith is such a big part of my life. Living outside of the box is living inside the box of my faith, not living in the box of the that the world wants you to live in, but living in the box of your faith, what you value, and what makes you happy is so important. We all live in a box per se, but what box makes you happy? For me, it's the box of, hey, my faith, 
my family and the things that I love to do. Beautiful. So eloquent. And, and I feel that way, too. especially in the Hollywood community. I feel like I'm always scorned, like, oh, you're so religious. And, and I'm not like compared to a lot of you. I mean, I've got short sleeves on and there's things that I, that I do that, you know, super religious Jews would be like, oh, you're not even Jewish anymore, you know? Um, but, but I still stand up for those people. I still stand up yeah. for the word in, in our books and what I live by. I know what that feels like. And, and I'm so proud of you already for doing that. I want to know what a pounded yam is. You just kind of skated over that. Oh, they have like sweet yams here yeah. for like the holidays. Okay. Pumpkin so, pie and sweet potato pie. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like that. It's not sweet at all, but it is yam. It's part of like the potato family. It's a huge potato usually white, thick around. You can cut it up like a potato. So in its natural state, it comes like a potato, but you can cook it down, mash it and make it into this ball. <laughs> and that's what pounded yam is. And you dip it in like okra stew or a goosey or some, side, some sort of stew. And what's goosey? That's, is it goose soup? Oh. A goosey is, um, you can use spinach, but it's actually like a seed. Now that it's a little bit bigger than a mustard, but it's a white seed that you can ground up, put um, bitter leaves or spinach with it and make like a little sauce stew out of it. That sounds amazing. And it sounds so healthy. And now that you're saying pounded yam, I'm pretty sure I've heard that that is really good for fertility, right? I have no idea, but I've had two kids and clearly it must be working. (laughs) And your skin is gorge. Um, Thank you. Just the light that comes out of you. It's effervescent. So you're welcome. You have a forgiveness story. You must have it somewhere because you are so powerful and your light is so bright. So I want to know if you can pick one to start with, what was the moment that you said, oh, I got to forgive this and just move through? Yeah. Oh, I I mean, I have a lot of those moments I think for me you know always goes back to relationships right there's always a man in the middle of a forgiveness story (laughs) there's always a man that you have to forgive for something um so I was engaged before I got married to my amazing husband I was engaged and the guy just treated me so wrong like verbal abuse and um come to find out he had a history of um what what is it abuse of like physical abuse he never got to the point where he physically abused me but he'd done that in the past with his other girlfriends and it was really leading up to that so he was pulling me away from my family we were about to get married he was like we need to move we need to do this so it was like all classic symptoms of like an abuser he would tell me how great I was and then literally a couple hours later belittle me so it started out with the verbal and so I decided hey I, I don't think I'm cut out for the mental trauma that you're trying to give me. Um, And my mom was such a big part of the story. She was just like, you know, fool me. I prayed about it. I don't think this guy is good for you. She had no idea what was happening. She just, God told her like, this guy's not good. You know, I think you should warn your daughter. And so when she told me, like, it it was just confirmation of what I, I had already been feeling and what I knew in my heart, but you know, we always want to fix somebody as women were thinking, okay, well, if I'm maybe a little bit nicer, he won't get so mad. Yeah, it's, it's not, not going to work. Me. Right. If yeah. I, it's all about me. I'm the one wrong when he's getting yep. upset. It's because I brought it on myself. Yeah. Right. right. So um, I had to walk away from that relationship and he went around telling everybody how evil I was, 
you know, how I would broken his heart, this, this, that. I never defended myself. And this was in college. So everybody, we had a small circle of friends. Everybody stopped talking to me. And I remember just crying one day and just asking God, well, what did I do wrong? Like, I tried my best. I thought this was the one. He was really good in the beginning. I don't know what I did wrong. And then he went on to go to a relationship. I'm still single. Everybody's looking at me like poor little girl that got dumped and all this. And I remember in church, I was just crying. I was like, you know, what did I do wrong? What what could I have done better? I remember the stillness and the calmness that came. The story of Saul and how the people wanted Saul and God gave them Saul. But at the end of the day, Saul had a choice whether he was going to be a good king or whether he was going to go the other way. And he decided to go the other way. If he decided that he wasn't going to live up and be the man he was supposed to be for you, then it was okay. It's okay to let him go. But you have to forgive him for his shortcomings, move past it, forgive me. And I didn't even realize I was holding animosity in my heart because I was thinking, if you're a good God, then why would you bring this person along to mess with my feelings and my emotions? I had to get forgive God and realize we are put on this earth with free will. If he made this man love me and be what he's supposed to be, then he infringes on his free will. He gives us all of us free will. So I had to forgive God and understand that his ways were far above my ways. I could never think like him. He is thinking in chess pieces. I'm over here playing checkers. He's 10 steps ahead of me. He knew my husband was Samuel Ford and he had not come yet. So he knew I could not align myself with this man. So I had to forgive him. Then I had to forgive myself and realize that my decision-making wasn't wrong. I just had to realize that when it was time to move, I had to move. A lot of times you make decisions based off of faith and based off of what we think is right. But then when God gives us red flags, we don't leave that situation alone. We keep going in it thinking it's going to get better. So I had to forgive him for an apology I never got. I had to forgive God for me thinking that he was this and that and that when all he was was kind and trying to protect me. And then I had to forgive myself for the poor decisions that I made during the relationship. We all make mistakes. We have to grow from it. And that's how we get better. Mm, you are prepared for the second thing you said is so important. And mm-hmm. when I have people on this show, they talk a lot about like, well, I had to forgive that person mm-hmm, and it was really hard. And blah, blah. But no one usually talks about the God part. That is so important to just take a second and say, I, I really believe this similar to what you said. I'm just saying a different way that whenever there are things, elements in our atmosphere, they're there for a reason. You know, if life is, is almost like a video game with us and God, God's like cheering us on, like, let's go, go to the next level, go to the next level. The free will is, you know, you're in the Super Mario and there's the mushrooms and there's the ice cream cones. And there's a reason why you get to the ice cream cone stage. Not everybody gets to even be in that room. And sometimes the ice cream is a nasty guy who tries to gaslight you. And the other thing that's interesting about your story is that it doesn't sound like you badmouthed him. I didn't. It's almost like you're holding, and I'm sure some of those people came back to you years later and said, OMG, like, yeah. You know what's the funny part? The girl he dated like two months after me, horror story from two months before two months into them dating he was physically abusive to her 
And so afterwards she came to me and we went out to eat four hours. We sat there, she cried and she was like, Fumi, um, he told me not to talk to you. He lied and said this about you and this about you. And I just believed it and I stayed, but I never heard you talk bad about him. She was like, there were so many girls that would call him his ex-girlfriends. She said, you never called him. You never bothered him. You were on campus. You always waved at me. You were never rude. And that stood out to me. So when we broke up and it was a horrible breakup, like police, she had to go to the hospital. It was a huge, horrible breakup. Um, she said, I knew I could talk to you because you carried yourself like no other woman that I'd ever met before. And that spoke to me. And I was like, thank you, God, for allowing me to come to a place where I could forgive so I could walk in integrity and love, even though I was still hurting. Yeah. Oh, I got the chills. That is so undervalued in our society. Everybody, especially with the Me Too movement. It's the whole battered woman. We be Women believe the best. And so we think, um, you know, when things are happening, you know, I never, I always used to say, I don't understand women that get hit. And then I got in a situation where I was being verbally abused and I stayed for months. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? So I, I, yeah, I come it, from it baff it's baffling. Even now I've been through it. I'm like, Fumi, how did you make, let yourself go through that? I'm still trying to figure that out. So I well, understand. It was part of your learning. Like it could have happened in a more subliminal way through other things that you wouldn't have, but you caught it early. You know, to me, that's like, I have so much compassion for you in your twenties in college not even in your twenties yet. And yeah. someone treats you that way. That's still, you're still a child, you know? And it's just so interesting that there's so much bashing and, and self-righteousness, like I'm right. And this person's wrong. And part of the reason I started this is because I, I can't stand the division in our society, not just our country, but in multiple countries right. in the world. It's like, if you voted for this person, I don't speak to you. If you're on this club on Facebook or this group in clubhouse, we don't, we do not have a relationship. Where is the learning? Where is Where, the right. right? And, and even abusers in my like, crazy humble opinion deserve a second chance at life like that guy who hurt you I he, agree with that yep he still deserves to come to you and say I am so mortifiably sorry for what I did and I'm doing the best that I can I just want to say thank you for not walking around camp you know what I'm saying like it yeah. is the soul if he hurts you also hurt that's the saddest part and and you got that to me what I take away from that story is you handled it so well, you know, and it probably wasn't cool at the time because you were probably 20, at least five years ago before the Me Too movement. So if that's true, it wasn't cool. It, we didn't even know that that was like a thing a guy could get in yeah. for. Yeah. I like the movement. And at the same time, I feel like, just like you said before, so eloquently, Black is not one thing. Even the Me Too movement is not just one thing. And sometimes I feel like people harp and, and then you don't know who's telling the truth because, well, you did three movies with the guy. Did you not get the memo the first time? Like, and, and now you're saying I have a right to just defame, you know, complicated. And yeah. give people even give crazy people dignity. They're just a soul. And when you do that and you put a little breath between them and yourself, you can go, Oh, okay. I get it. They were just an angel in a way to teach me about this thing. And I woke up. Yeah. Yeah. I learned so much about myself, about what I was willing to accept and what I wasn't willing to accept through that bad situation. I don't wish it on anybody, but I know it taught me 
you know, what I needed to learn out of life and as a woman. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's interesting that today we sit in a country where the morality, the laws, the way that people are walking around and, and thinking about law, it's a little bit scary to me. It's like, they're just yeah. like, well, I really like the way that person sings. And well, they're just, they're all, whatever they do. I mean, you know, but then this politician, well, you know, but they like that person who sings. So what? Like, where are the values? And this is the kind of thing where you can really be a stand for other women and teach about this is wrong. There are certain things yeah. that are wrong and we, we have to teach it because it's, people keep saying, no, it's, we don't need religion. It's, it's just natural. You know, what's right or wrong. It's like, actually, no, you got to I mean, just, it's like kids. You have to teach kids. Like my son knows that taking a cookie without asking me is wrong, but he's still going to do it. So then I have to teach him if you do that. There are punishment. There's consequences to your actions. I think it all starts in the home. There's nobody teaching kids nowadays what's right and wrong. It's the carefree, oh, let them do whatever. And then they grow up to be the kind of adults that do whatever. That's right. Where is the parenting, right? Oh, I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> what is one thing that you do every day or at least a few times a week that gives you keys to freedom? Ooh, okay. What I try to do for me, and it, it really does go back to my faith. My parents are pastors. I grew up in the church. I found God for myself when I was in at 19, even though I grew up in my, the church the whole my whole life. Wait, it's, that is really interesting. Let's just stop there. So yeah, how did you find God? I think that that is also something that's not talked about a lot, especially from a preacher's kid. It's like, well, uh, I didn't really have, I was just doing what everybody said, but I didn't really feel that yet. My parents actually sent us to a Christian camp. Like they were like really, really, really like strict conservative parents. And so they sent me and my sister to a Christian camp. It's called IHOP International House of Prayer. That's so funny. It sounds like International House of Pancakes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. In a lot of people, when I say IHOP, they're like pancake internship for six months. I'm like, no, it's a prayer. Yeah. It's in Kansas city, city, Missouri. I was there for six months. And while I was there, I was 19 and I found God, but there's a difference between encountering God for yourself and then walking out your own salvation with God, just yeah. you too. I was also um, 19, so, by the way. You were 19 too? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to meet for tea one day on zoom and just talk about that we that, will that was the one of the best days of my life i was i was dared by a rabbi to just talk to god outside and that's it's so simple i didn't even have a book in my hand that's amazing yeah so i found him for myself and for me one of the best ways is just when i wake up before my kids which is not very often i try <laughs> um but even throughout my day just talking to god like it's a relationship. You don't have to sit down and grab your Bible to feel like you're talking to while you're washing dishes, communing, communing. It's like my husband, every other second, he's calling me from work and I'm talking to him. We don't just say, oh, we're only going to talk when we can sit down with a pen and a notepad and Christian music in the background. <laughs> That's the only time we're going to talk. We wouldn't be married for long if we had to schedule talking time, really communing with him. But I do have my scheduled times. It's usually Saturday because the kids sleep in and I wake up early and I grab my Bible and I go to a window or I pray or while I clean my house. But all day I'm communing with him. I know my day and I'm not peaceful when I don't have that. There's no peace if I'm not centered in God 
throughout the day. And so it's just as simple as that, just talking to him while I'm doing my makeup. I'm like, thank you, God, for the day. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for my family. Thank you for the goodness that you've shown me. Just really talking to him. Mm. When you are centered in God, for me, freedom is it's physical, but then it's also a state of mind and a state of well-being. Yeah. I feel free as a mom. I'm dictated by my kids, my husband. I, I have so many boundaries that keep me in one place because of my my family. So for me, freedom comes in communing with something outside of myself, which is God. And then on a non-religious aspect, reading a good book, sit down or get an ebook. Um, audible and sit down and listen to the Bible or listen to a really good book. It's like, I'm, I'm transported to another world. I'm in Africa or I'm in Egypt and I'm, I'm somewhere where I can't be physically because of my kids and my husband and my family and work. I've been reading recently, Edith Eager's book, The Gift. Have you seen that book yet? Survivor. Oh, there's a lot of good Holocaust survivor books. This is a good one. It's so funny that you're Jewish because I have such a huge thing for like Jewish culture and particularly the Holocaust. Like I love reading books about it. I love reading historical novels and um, historical aspects of it. Like I I researched it. I wanted to write a book on the 30s and 40s, how during the time of the Holocaust, you had Hitler, you had Stalin, you had Mussolini, you had yep. all these dictators at the same time. And they like were what all was happening. Yes. But then what was happening? What 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 caused that to happen? I mean, we know it's because of depression. So poverty will always bring in these fear fear, and fear will always bring in people into power that feed off that fear. Exactly. So then you have Mussolini killing his own people. But then I think the Jewish struggle and the African struggle are so closely two groups of people that have really been massacred on a large stage. So glad you said that. My documentary, You Are Gold, which came out of the, the song, is me just talking to Black people on the street in New York because it was after a rash, just violence. Yeah. I was like, no, not my brothers and sisters. It's disgusting and awful. And I'm angry and frustrated with God at that moment. But this is something different. This is like your own family. It's like when a Jew kills another Jew or a black on black crime. I get I get offended. I get personally attacked because I'm like, yeah. this is my people. And sometimes I'll hear from black people who are not my friends that don't know me. They're like, who do you think you are? You know, Karen? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I know I can hide my privilege of being, you know, maybe not the nose, but you know, I can, <laughs> it can be hidden a little bit in some way, but I'm so open about it. You know, it's different when you have black skin again, something I think as a tool that God gives you that you have the strength I will never have because it's yeah. on you all the time. And it, it, it represents something all the time that I don't have. And we are two entities in the world that keep rising up. That keep rising. When, you're supposed six, to be down. We don't like you. Six million Jews massacred. And it's still a thriving people. We just keep going. I just feel- keep going. Blacks brought here on ships, oh enslaved for years, beaten, all of this. And we're still, you still have billionaires. You still have millionaires. You still have Blacks changing culture and music culture. Everything is off of Black culture. And so for me, it's so beautiful. I'm African, so it's a little bit right. different. It I is. also get my flag for from my um, Black Americans because of, you know, where I'm from, but 
I think I married a black American. He was born here in Alabama. His family is from Pinson, Alabama. His mom grew up with her brothers being hung from trees. So his viewpoint is so different than my viewpoint. But I also understand it's all of, we're all children of God at the end of the day. We are. And we aren't really different. But when you're in a minority, there's something a little bit different. There yeah. Are, no, there there's are. something. There's something to the, the two groups of people that says a lot about us. Yeah. It's like a little sugar and spice God put in there that where where that beauty and blessing comes from, there's also going to be pain. There's massive pain. Yep. Because the world goes, no, 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 you can't. You're not supposed to. Yeah. Okay, you're shining too much. So we take it on and it's this dance. And I feel like it's so beautiful. You're saying this with me. I feel like if most people knew that we would have a lot less problems if we took it on a spiritual level, like, oh, of course, you know, that that's going to all happen. the wars, all the fighting, all the greed, all of it. But then we'll, we'll just have to wait till Jesus comes back and gets us or, you know, something changes. But all we can do is what you're doing, which is being a light wherever you go and spreading the love of God wherever you go and really setting a standard wherever you go. And same thing for me. If we could, if we can all do that in our sphere of influence, we could change little by little the world. I really but. think so too. Every night I pray because I have no idea what the hell's going on and no one really does. Something that we're not being told. And at the same time, I really believe it just takes a small group of people that believe in God to change the whole thing. But can we do it? And can we try to influence things like the WAP song not being on the radio? Like, you know, I mean, and, and I like Cardi B. She's funny. I've never even heard this. Song. Like just the idea of the, the name of the song. Like we've all heard, we all know the name of the song. That alone bothers me because she is a woman of color and she's representing this powerful voice and she's using it for, well, what are we using it for? And I don't even mean it in like everyone should be religious context. I mean, at least have some values, know that there's going to be a five-year-old girl that's going to sing it and put it on TikTok. I don't mean to preach, but you're amazing. (laughs) I'm so grateful that you spent this time with me and I think you have such a special gift and I'm so glad that you know that you have it. My grandma used to say, it's one thing to have a blessing. It's another another blessing to know it's a blessing. (laughs) That's good. Thank you so much for this chat. I had a good time. It was really funny and really chill. Here are some life lessons and golden nuggets we got out of today's episode. Beauty is really an inside job, just like happiness and finding meaning. How we look on the outside greatly affects how we feel on the inside. And how are those two selves talking to each other? Fumi talks about this on her Instagram page. Please follow her at Fumi Ford. That's spelled F as in Frank, U-N as in Nancy, M as in Mary, I, F as in Frank, O-R-D. On the Instagram, Fumi says, Black is not a monolith. We get to create a new one. Live what's true to and for you. Faith is a big part of her life, and she believes faith in God is everything to her. Living in the box of your own faith and what makes you happy is what makes you you. Forgive God for the curriculum of your soul. The people that come into your life as teachers are there for your own good. God's ways are far above our ways. God is always 10 steps ahead of you, and the partner that you need is coming. You're just on a path. You're on a course, so let it take its course. Don't get in the way. Your decision-making is not necessarily always wrong, but just remember that God gives us red flags for a reason. Allow yourself 
to turn, always have that dialogue and that communing with God going. Remember to forgive God and your own self for anything that comes up that is hurtful. Free will really is real. And don't go out and badmouth people that hurt you. Just trust karma, trust God. It's really none of your business and just keep on going. Be the light that you wanna see in this world. If you acted poorly with someone else, would you want them talking about you and all the poor decisions you made behind your back? No, so if someone does that to you, turn the other cheek, keep going, stop talking about them. Otherwise, you're still bringing what they did in the past into your reality now, and you don't need it because you're already past it. Walk in integrity and love, even though you may still be hurting from what someone else did. Where is the learning in life if we have to cancel people who once made a mistake? Even abusers deserve a second chance at this thing called life. Now, I'm not saying you throw yourself back in the ring and give them all the freedoms in your life with you the way that you might have had before when they did you wrong, but give them at least a chance, a moment to apologize and learn from what they did. Think about who your role models are and who you are modeling your parenting, your life, your sisterhood, your brotherhood, your fellowship in your life. Who are you modeling it after? Freedom is a state of mind and well-being. And all we can do is be a light, spread the love of God, and set a new standard wherever we go. If you know somebody with a great story about forgiveness, failure, or freedom, please share them with us. If you learned something new or feel like something from this episode can inspire someone else, please share the episode on your Facebook page or Instagram and tag that person and tag us too. You can find all of our social medias, drop us a note, or join our newsletter at www.c1beautifulsoul.com. Please don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you hear podcasts. May we all choose to look for the light in ourselves and each other in all ways, always.